Mansplanation is a show about two men trying to break free from the prison of toxic masculinity. They offer no professional advice or suggestion. They will occasionally use adult language and will often discuss examples of violence and malicious behavior, so parental guidance is recommended. Is that you or me? With the squeaking? Yeah. That was me. Good. Keep doing it. Welcome to Mansplain Nation, a pop culture guide to how manliness gets expressed in gender, class, and race, and what we can do to break free from the prison of masculinity. I am Grunt. I am Musk. Musk, I think you, you had a question for me. I did. Um, I, I do like starting out with this question. What is the manliest thing you did this week? Um, well, I, I just peed standing up. Pretty manly. Uh, how much of it did you splash on the sides of the toilet? Or the seat, um, or the floor. None, zero amount. Oh, okay. Never mind that. Uh, I peed standing up at least twice this week. Okay, good, good. I, uh, yeah, that's funny. I, you know, whenever there are jokes on any in in the world about peeing sitting down, I'm like, well, I do that because it's more comfortable. Sometimes it is. Sometimes you want to read or play on your phone or whatever. That's just like, why Why would I not sit down? My whole life is based on finding places to sit down. <laughs> I, I, I have a very clear memory of like listening to Howard Stern once and him making fun of somebody. He's like, I bet you pee sitting down. It's like, well, wait, everybody kind of does that every now and again. It's just cleaner. It just feels cleaner or, nicer. you know, whatever. You want to take your like, time. You're not sure what else is going to happen. Like I said, maybe you want to read or <laughs> do something on your phone. It's like I wear pants now. If I wasn't wearing pants, sure. I find this happens more recently. Mm-hmm. To, if, I'm, if I've just, you know, gone to a urinal, I need to take a little bit more time to make sure all of the pee is out. Just everything's done. Yeah, you don't want anything happening later. Otherwise, I get splashback, right? I'm a pants. Splashback or like three seconds later after you're zipped up, something else is going on. And then that doesn't feel great. No, it's, it's embarrassing. What'd you do, Manly, this week? Let's see. The manliest thing I think I did this week was my, I'm going to call her a two-year-old, even though she's not quite two yet. She won on a slide at an Oktoberfest and got a pretty uh, awesome brush burn on her wrist. Okay. So I applied uh, field dressing to it, which would be, uh, I have this spray that's antiseptic and pain relieving and a troll band-aid. Nice. Put some... uh Got her a bottle of water so she could hold her up against that. And uh, yeah, she took she did it like a trooper. Yep. This week's episode of Mansplanation brought to you by Trolls. The Trolls franchise. There's a sequel coming out. They can pay for this. Justin Timberlake has the money. We all know that. Okay. So you, right. You didn't tell her to walk it off and man up. I didn't tell her to walk it off. Although I did teach both of my kids to, uh, whenever I yell, what do we like? They yell back to me, pain. I think you've been to my house when I've done this. <laughs> uh, what is your, uh, your your significant other lady wife? She doesn't like that. Oh, no? She doesn't like that. She's, she's changed it to uh, we like hugs, we like snuggles, which we do like. But not pain. And I, 
I guess my ultimate thing there is I don't want them to necessarily shy away from painful experiences and things that, you know, with pain can come growth. At the same time, like if they break a bone, I'm not going to be standing over them shouting, what are we like? It's going to be more like you need medical attention and I will get this for you. Right. But if we're running a race and it's like, daddy, my feet hurt. Well, okay. Do they hurt because you're injury or do they hurt because you're tired? If you're tired, maybe we can go a little bit further before we take a rest and get something new out of this. Right. And emotional pain as well. Oh, I think, yeah, there's a great deal of growth that comes through emotional pain. Uh I mean, think about the person you were from your first date, first girlfriend, whatever, to where you're at now. I mean, I, I personally, I mean, I think back to the, I think back to my first girlfriend, I'm actually very embarrassed of the way I treated her. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I've learned, made a lot of mistakes along the way. And, uh, in my current relationship with my wife, I try to bring those, uh, that, that understanding of those mistakes to the table so I can be a better husband to her. That's manly as shit. Yeah, isn't it? Mm. I'm going to eat a brick now. Okay. Don't go nuts. Okay. Growth, <laughs> emotional growth is the manliest thing you can do. Yep. I, I, I would definitely agree on that. We're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to do terrible things. But um, we were even talking about this a couple weeks back in regards to the Louis C.K. thing. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. how soon is too soon for him from finally admitting that he's been the one that's been masturbating in front of female comedians to performing a set of the comedy seller is nine months too soon. And I say it, it can be. Had he come to the table and said, yeah. these are the things that I have done. These are the steps I've taken to learn about my behavior, my thoughts, uh, how my thoughts influence my actions, how my actions influence what I do to other people. It wouldn't have been a hilarious set, but I think it would. Have, I think a lot of people would have said, "You know what? Maybe it is time for him to come back. Maybe he has done something useful. Maybe he's grown." He went back to work, right? That essentially, yes. he went back to his an office, his office, and didn't acted like everything was the same. Like he was just, mm-hmm. oh, "I'm gonna, I'm back, and I'm working on my new project or doing my paper, you know, whatever." Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that's how people who want to be able to accept the fact that yes, there there is a way for him to still be in the public eye. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, that was his job. That was his office. It's his livelihood. But to that thing, it's like, right, uh, me working an office job. If I sexually harass someone and had to go to training, you know, if it was not being fired. Mm-hmm. Because I think there, the, you have to appreciate that you may not be allowed to go back to that job. Yes. And so that's, I think that's part of it. It's like, well, yeah. we're letting him go back to his job in a way. Yeah. Jeffrey Tambor is a good example of, you know, he was fired from a, a transplant, transparent. Well, I thought he voluntarily left. Oh, I don't know. I thought he, I thought he was asked to leave. Maybe it was right. He wasn't fired. But they asked him to resign. Bottom line um, is he's no longer on transparent. Right. He lost his job. Ah, sorry. That's not great. <laughs> Italian hand motions. I got something to share on this topic in a little bit. Uh, go for it. Okay, so this is something I don't think I talked to you about. Uh, the state that I'm in, we just recently had a major sex scandal with the Catholic Church. And uh, the attorney general had released a a 300-page document listing the names of 
priests who had sexually offended against someone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And because of who I am and because of the multitude of jobs that I've had in my life that kind of broach on this subject, I, I, I flipped to the part that uh, deals with the city that I live in, and I found a coworker. Okay. I found a coworker, and uh, because Google is efficient, I found out his history and what he did. Okay. This is somebody who I, up until this moment, had a lot of respect before. I had worked with him in my previous job, and I work with him still in my current job. Maybe it's good to say that in my previous job, I was a parole agent for sex offenders. So I go to my current job and you know work with sex offenders that he and I would have in common. So he knows of my past career of a guy that arrests sex offenders and goes to court and uh, helps in their prosecution. So when this came out, I know that I wasn't the only person that looked up this, this person, found his offense, found his offenses and his path. And uh, the day after this report had hit, he uh, immediately went on a two-week vacation. Mm. I do not... Uh, I love my current job, but I don't want to do anything to jeopardize it. He's been there much longer than I have. And he's, he's like I said, he's a well-liked person. People enjoy working with him. He's good at his job. He's efficient. He cares. He, get, he, he does a lot of good for a lot of people. But he's got this thing. And I guess going back to the Louis C.K. thing, he's been back for a while. And I know that there have been meetings about what should we do about him. Should we confront him? Should we talk to him? Should we ignore it? Should we pretend it never happened? Should we talk to the people that are into our program and let them know about his past? Should we allow them to discover it on their own? Should we let them know if they do certain things like bring children to the uh, building? And ultimately, I think the decision was made, the real world decision was made, that this is very awkward. These offenses happen. 20 years ago, we know of nothing that has happened between then and now. We like this guy. We're just going to pretend it didn't happen. Hmm. And that bothers me. Pretend, pretend that you didn't. That no one knows that it happened, that the report didn't happen. I don't think anybody's going as far as to pretend that the offenses didn't happen. But I think it's just like we're all going to continue to bury our heads in the sand. Yeah. Um... For me, I kind of go back to the Louis C.K. thing. In my perfect world, he would have come to the office and said something to the effect of, I'm not saying like called a meeting and, you know, deliver a rousing speech, but at least gone to his direct supervisor who then could have disseminated it out to everyone else. These are the things that I have done. These are the things that I have done to make sure I never do those things again. Yeah, that's weird. So this is... I apologize for blindsiding you with this. I feel like maybe I should have given you a little bit of background beforehand. No, 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 no. I... I... I heard a similar story secondhand, nobody I, like I really know, but similar thing where friends, place of work, recently hired a new guy. Everyone's like, yeah, he's fine. And like a friend of one of the coworkers of this new guy, uh, dropping off the friend at work, saw him and was shocked and texted their friends that said, that guy was my stalker. And... How do, you, how do you handle that when you're presented with... I would say that this one is maybe a little more cut and dry, Tim. Yeah, I don't think it's cut and dry. And I th again, I think this goes to a lot of what we talk about is... I mean, you're right. Your situation seems way more cut and dry because you have 
the the facts. We right? have his guilty plea. We have a lot of things. And to that, yeah, you're right. We right, there. There's definitive. There's no gray area here. The other side. The the this story is. You know the the person was like, no, don't say anything to him because I'm hi- right. I'm hiding from him. Right. Like I'm. I've just finally have been able to separate my life from him being able to stalk me. But again, right. Bro- broadly, regardless of the specific specific cases, to me, it's more like this this is unacceptable behavior and we're kind of just going to let it slide in my job i think that decision was made because we do not have 15 year old girls come to our place of employment most of the people we come that come and ask for our help are 50 60 year old men that have been estranged from their family for years and will not bring those types of people to us but does that matter right like does that but doesn't matter. It's a wonderful question. It would be good for us to know that. Well, you you are doing things and saying of uh, the the answer to bad behavior is to just remove that person from an environment where they will be triggered into further recidiv- recidivism. And again, I, I think I have to fall back on my original statement that I want to know what he has done what work he has done to make sure that this does not happen again. Yeah. And and I think that's fair. And I think that's shouldn't be uncomfortable to ask um, or talk to people about. And I think it does feel very uncomfortable, especially with men. And is there something like tied into, well, it's uncomfortable to talk to him about because he may react badly but I think that is the price of if you work at NA, if you're going through the rooms, if, if you're doing NA or A, at some point you have to make that fearless inventory. And at some point you have to make amends. Nice. And if you're making amends, you have to go to those people that you hurt and said, this is what I did. This is why I did it. I apologize. And these are the things I'm doing to make sure that I never do those things again. And while we are not as victims, to me, a part of it, part of me, a very big part of me feels like this is something that he needs to do for us is he needs to come and say, because the the job I hold right now is a social work position. And a lot of that is based on trust. Your ability is one thing, but your, your intention is another. It's something that that bothers me. I've worked with a lot of people with criminal behavior. I've I've worked with a lot of people with uh, felony convictions. And I generally don't feel this way about them. I've worked with drug dealers, and it's like, okay, you, you did some dumb things. Maybe you did that to survive. Maybe you did that to get rich. Maybe you did that to pay some bills. But you're not doing that right now. You're doing a different job, and you're using those skills to help people now. He's an intelligent man. He's a man that was in a position before, priesthood, to help and benefit others. He's doing that now. But I want to know that the bad thing is gone. I want to know that the thing that led him to purchase pornography and sex toys with church funds, to molest a 15-year-old girl five times a day for two years straight, and to expose himself to his parishion, it's addressed. Not gone, not taken care of, but it's addressed and being addressed. It's an abuse of power. Ultimately, right, Like this is someone who abused their power. And I think that's... And I think this is why it's 
different for you. Abuses of power, um, we have not dealt with it correctly. Um, right? It was either, oh, that's an individual individual moral failing. And so we just need to take the individual away and deal with the individual. But, I mean, to take it away from this specific guy, like, how would you feel if it was violent, a violent crime? You know, it's like you discovered, oh, I, I'm working with somebody who murdered their friend 20 years ago. Um, I had a friend in high school that murdered a mutual friend. Okay. And they were both wildly under the influence of drugs. And it was, I think the legal term is a crime of passion. And for me, I can think of necessary reasons to do a lot of crime. I, I can think of an instance where the average citizen would be required to kill someone, find it necessary to kill someone. And we, we as a society would say, you're protecting your wife, you're protecting your children, you did a terrible thing. Protecting your country, protecting yourself, drug dealing drugs, stealing, and so on and so on. We can all think of necessary reasons why you would do those. I have not been able to think of a necessary reason to commit a sex offense. Okay. Welcome to Mansplanation, uh, where we yep. think, uh, where we do thought experiments on the morality of sex crimes. A sex criminal's guide. No. Um, yeah, and I don't, I don't, let's not do that. <laughs> and I'm not doing that. I'm just, my, my argument there is, we, we can look at that drug dealer and say, you did this for a good reason, maybe. Or we could at least rationalize it out. When somebody says, I had sex with a 15-year-old, I yeah, she came on to me is not a good enough reason. One of the things that's going through my head is there's this interesting quote. Um, the author Samuel Delaney, sci-fi guy, um, Babel 17, great book. I'm trying to think what else he wrote. But there's a quote that I'm going to mess up, but it's essentially criminals and artists are the two types of people that show what's wrong with society. Hmm. They're, they're the ones that force us to look at you know the moral and ethical choices we've made. We, the capital W-E, like sovereign people, democracy, have made moral reasons to kill um euthanasia they're all these things and so sex crimes are interesting because this this goes to a couple topics that i had like we'd brainstormed and you had not heard about and we will you know maybe next time i'll force us to have a discussion about it but um sex is a human right did you ever look up what incels are involuntary celibates yeah i did okay <laughs> but right that's one of the things like that came up is that hey we in general don't deal with questions of the ethics or morality of sex very well no definitely don't. and so right any all, all there's no there is no moral sex crime in the united states I think if I, I think adult prostitution for you would be moral sex crime, right? Like I have a hard time with that one because I do not believe that prostitution is consensual sex. Hmm. In that you do not know, it may, maybe you are paying them and that money is going directly towards their child care, towards their health care, to keeping their mortgage going, which is most of our jobs. 
I, I guess what it comes down to me is I support a sex worker's right to do that job. I, I will never purchase their services because it feels degrading to myself and to them. And having said that, I have, I have a couple friends who have, yeah, they've, they've opened up to me. It's like, yeah, I hired a hooker. Yeah, I went to Vegas for the weekend. Yeah, I went to Japan. I was on tour. This is something that was available to me and I took it. And it's like, well, uh, I don't I don't know how I feel about our friendship anymore. This is one of those things I just don't. Once that door is open, I, I have a weird time not looking at you through that prism. I, I don't feel the same way about that. Um, and I get that. And I do. I, I, th- I think. If I could just flesh this picture out maybe a little bit more. I, I have two men in my mind that specifically fit this description. I would describe them as good people. You've held conversations with these people, and you haven't been repulsed by them. You, you've probably enjoyed their conversation. To me, it, it seems like a, a la- at best a lazy shortcut. At worst, at worst, it's worse. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that kind of that gets in the way of us finding a way as society to say there is a moral. There are there are many more. more yeah. I guess as a social worker, through through my career in social work and through my career in law enforcement, I look at anybody who's a sex worker, my immediate reaction, whether they're a stripper, a prostitute, or anything else, is how do I help? How do I get them out of this scenario that may, maybe it's fulfilling? I actually know a stripper who's very fulfilled by her career. Well, because it's dangerous, because, right, because sex works is an amoral crime in the majority of the United States, uh, and it's an, it's illegal, right? Forget morality, but it's it's illegal in most of the United States. Um, is is heavily controlled and has been until relatively recently. Um, I don't know. I I I I mean, this is like a year or two years ago. But I uh, a project I was working on at um, a library's archives about San Francisco's go-go scene and topless scene. And like this, essentially the strip club wave across America and how big a deal that was, especially in the 60s, the 50s, 60s and 70s. Like that wasn't a thing. There weren't strip clubs in the United States, right? Like that's a relatively recent thing. That's gentle, even like gentlemen's clubs. So they came out the sexual revolution with Hugh Hefner and Bob Guccione. Right, and and it's it's a dangerous profession, and I think that's why you're, right your instinct, especially like through social work and law enforcement, is I need to get you out of this situation. SEPTA was the thing that just got passed. Um, Red Red Book, did you follow any of this news or Backpage.com? It was a big thing for Kam- Kamala 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 no Kamala Kamala Harris when she was. Uh, DA of California, she pushed heavily. It was a essentially when Craigslist was forced to essentially remove all sex trafficking from the listings. This other website, Backpage, became a big place for sex workers to vet their johns, their clients, and to make it safer. Right, like it, it would to make it less dangerous to be a sex worker. It also made human trafficking easier. And I think that's, again, this dangerous thing is that because we've shoved sex work and sex crimes broadly into this place of, now this is 
This is, you know, unsafe at any speed. This is immoral and wrong. It's made it a place where only criminals and dangerous criminals and violent criminals can operate. I used to regularly arrest sex offenders that were frequently the Craigslist personals. And yeah, I mean, something like that. I mean, it's it's keeping sex workers in a specific area that is very dangerous to them. And I, and I think it, it comes down to, I don't know, for me, it's just like saying, coming out and saying, sex with kids is wrong. <laughs> abusing children is wrong. But abusing in anyone is wrong, right? Physical, sexual, or mentally is, is wrong. And at what point does something become consensual? Yeah, uh, um, right. At, at what point... Right. And I think this is why you kind of like you don't you and again, I, I see your point to you look at people who pay who have paid for prostitutes is like, well, who were you actually paying? Right. Were you paying this w- woman or man or were you paying some guy that's keeping them hooked on, you know, the standard, the stereotypical New Jack City pimp? And I have worked with a number of uh, pimps, too. Through social work and through law enforcement, and that's I, I, that's that you're you're hitting the nail on the head. That's a big part of that reason. It's it's not manly to go to no know where you're getting your sex from at all times. Yeah, which is why I'm. I think you should be in a relationship with that person. You should know something about them. You should know what they're get, you're getting into. You should know what you're getting them. In. Yeah, that, that's me in my perfect world. And uh, right, and to me, that still allows for a world in which there is moral legal prostitution, where you know yeah. you know your clients. And I, I realize I'm presenting a real dichotomy here. I think the good place that we is is um, somehow this is very niche and very subculture, but is uh, dominatri- dominatrices, dominatri, okay. BDSM culture. But yeah, this is a good topic, and I think. Uh, we can come back to it at another time through looking at Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Okay. I haven't watched that show in a long time, but I'm game. Especially the character of Dennis Reynolds. Mm-hmm. May or may not be a serial killer. But he is a sex criminal. Okay. Where did you want to go back? Your coworker. Well, right. The, the story that I know. I would say in your situation, for me, the black and the white there is. You have a coworker who sees another coworker getting a ride from somebody who has been her stalker. I, I feel like this is something that needs to initially go through HR and possibly law enforcement, and that this may be her stalker trying to find another entrance into her life. <laughs> right. So it was, yeah, that's, that's true. Um, it was the reverse. So the stalker was working at the company, and his Ooh. victim dropped a friend off and saw him. The victim does not okay. work there. So still it's like different. he could have found a friend and applied to work at his company. That's but a stretch. It's, that 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 takes a lot of moving. But parts. still, I mean it's the same amount of moving parts to discover where somebody you know like the person that you want to harass, assault, you know, crime against, you find mm-hmm. some you find a second connection, and then a coworker. You start dating them, start uh, becoming friendly with them. It seemed like right, and and I also know this is true. Like law enforcement didn't really help her. I do have a very close relationship with someone who call law enforcement. 
people sh- who they who they knew showed up and did nothing. No, they didn't do anything. Right? It's like we can't help you. He didn't. You know, there's no crime being committed here. Sometimes it's a matter of the law enforcement officer not being educated on the law. Sometimes it's them just not giving a shit. I mean, tell me about it. Yeah. Um. That I I I, I saw a black Klansman today. Is that how you say it? Black Klansman. I think it is. It was very good, but I love Spike Lee. Uh, I, I'm I'm glad that Spike Lee is back. Personally, he spent a, he spent a good couple of years in the forest. Uh, Chai Rock was good, even though he got some flack for it. Um, old boy. Oh right, he did old boy. He did old boy. It wasn't a Spike Lee joint, but he's responsible for old boy. He was. We, he don't blame Spike Lee for it. It was. I will blame Spike listen, Lee for that, and I will blame Spike Lee for a rash of mediocre at best. It was fine. Old boy was fine. No, no, it was pretty terrible. No, especially in comparison to the Park Chan Wook original version. Sure, I mean compared to the original worlds, this world is much worse now. I pre- I preferred the original Earth, not the remake of Earth. For for those of you at home. Todd or Grunt just rolled his eyes at me. Todd just rolled his eyes at me and flipped you off and flipped me off for saying I preferred the original Earth to the remake. Remake or original? You have any closing thoughts? No closing thoughts. Uh, I think if I'm going to say anything, I think there's one thing I'd like to say about manhood is if you are the man that you were at 20, 30, or 40 today, you're doing something wrong. The point of manhood, I think, is to grow. That if you want to be a better human being, you have to learn, you have to educate yourself, you have to expand yourself. And also be open about it. Yes. Thank you. That, that, that was on the tip of my tongue, and I'm really glad you said it. That you have to be open about it, open about your failures and what you've done to overcome those failures. I would like it if my coworker would do this. I would love it if Louis C.K. would do it. And uh, hopefully we can at some point find ourselves in a place where we get there. All right, man. Have a good night. All right. You too. Thank you for listening to Mansplanation and a Crash Pod production. Thank you to the artist Kulla for the use of their song Freed from Greed off the album Trinity. You can find more of their music at their website, Kulla.com. Thank you again, and don't keep yourself in a box. Okay.